we really think this is actually sort of opening a can of worms to sort of get millions of people, you know, in the same way that pausing student loans during COVID, right, for almost three years now, most people with federal student loans haven't had to pay a dime on their federal student loans, which I think has drastically changed the psychology of debt and this idea of who owes what to whom. Hello and welcome to the Bituation Room podcast. What is up, everybody? Thank you so much for being here, for being your fabulous, wonderful selves, for knowing uh, that this is the best political podcast in existence. It's also the best comedy podcast. See, I win in both categories, and I want you to know that. Um, so good to have you here. We've got a fucking great show. Why? Well, because... Ida Rodriguez, more like Idol Rodriguez, is here. That's right. Stand-up comic. You've seen her on TYT. You've seen her in person. Um, you've seen her special. Or if you haven't, you're fucking up. Um, I'm so happy to have her here. I've been hunting her down like every week, pretty much. And be like, hey, hey, what up? Can you come? And anyway, we finally got her. And we're going to be breaking down, of course, just another Trump rally, even more unhinged than the than all the ones before. For some reason, he's just competing with himself. That's, well, that's what happens when you're like the crazy goat. You know, if you're the goat of being nuts, you just got to one-up yourself. Um, we're also going to be talking with Braxton Brewington of the Debt Collective about Biden's debt relief plan. What are the next steps? Is this going to be it from this administration? Will the GOP successfully litigate against even this very small yet important step? I'm very excited to have him on the show a little bit later on. We're also going to be talking about the Jackson water crisis, um, our own little moment of crisis, uh, in addition to uh, everything else that's going on in the world, whether it's in Pakistan um, or throughout Europe, wildfires, um, climate change is uh, threatening everybody. And uh, when you've defunded a town the way Jackson has been defunded, um, then guess what? Uh, poor people are the first ones to suffer. So I'm going to talk about that. And ending, I never really tease the final segment. I always want it to be a surprise slash I forget. But today, the final segment is just so good. It's so good. I want you to know that we're going to be talking about Howard Schultz being required by the NLRB to apologize to Starbucks workers for basically union busting and, and, and then reminding them of their rights as protected under federal law. So I'm asking you all, and I'm asking my guests, which boss have you had who you think owes you an apology? You just, you need that. And you know, it's never too late. It's never too late. So uh, stay tuned for that. And then finally, I'm going to do a solo bonus episode for all of our patrons, all the Frantifa, the real Frantifa, right? The real Frantifa. None of these rhino Frantifa, just the real Frantifa. Um, about probably one of the crazier stances I've heard on um, defending abortion bans um, from a state lawmaker that you just listened to and you're like, how? 
How? Do you have, like, this dude's name better be, like, I don't know, Free Porn Mick Crypto. Otherwise, I don't understand how people like this get elected anywhere. Um, South Carolina is, of course, voting this week on a potential full abortion ban. You got to hear this. Patreon.com slash Bituation Room to become part of the Frantifa. Don't miss it. You also get the backlog of all the shows that we've done, all the bonus content. Um, you get special access to 20% off merch. Again, merch, bituationroom.com. Anyone can buy it. Patrons get 20% off. You get a shout out if, you, if you're a patron at $10 or more. You're going to get special bonus maternity leave content. Um, I'm going to keep the uh, weekly roundups going for all the patrons. And uh, so stay tuned for that. That's going to be exciting. Um, as well as like access to our AMAs. And just you can just hit me up. You know what I'm saying? Guest suggestions. Last week's guest was a suggestion from one of the oldest patrons, Sophia, who's wonderful. Um, so, yeah, support the show because no one else will. Um, just kidding. <laughs> also, TBR-Live on Venmo, TBR-Live on Cash App if you don't fuck with Patreon. Um, but, again, you should. And finally... With that, let's get into this goddamn week, guys. Get your bitch caps on. This is What Are You Bitching About? Obviously, other than the fact that I am quite pregnant and my inner thighs are on fire and it's difficult to sleep and it's hot as hell in Los Angeles right now. That's all aside. Leaving aside the fact that my mom calls me every other day and is like, I got an email from Best Buy that says that they charged me $400 to be part of the Geek Squad. And I'm like, okay, mom, one, who's the email from? And it's like, uh, Giuseppe Oncori at GTE.net. I'm like, yeah, that's not Best Buy. That's not Best. It's not Best. I'm sorry. Ma also has your credit card been charged? No. Can you do those two things before you go? <laughs> like, seriously though, the scammers are out to pick off our grandparents and parents, people. And we we try we're trying to equip them with some basic self-defense mechanisms. Number one, who's the email from? Number two, did you actually get charged at all? And once she realized that, it's like, oh, anyway. Okay, so then we can move on. Very warm. Um, no, but I'm really, I'm really bitching about the fact that uh, ever since Joe Biden had his little, like, Darth Maul speech last week um, where he was flanked by, like, military dudes backlit in red, it was pretty sick, um, he said things like, the Republican Party is afraid of and is cowed to Donald Trump. And it's an extremist part of the Republican Party. It's the MAGA Republicans, according to him. Um, he drew a very distinct differentiation between MAGA Republicans and what he calls, I don't know, the good old boys that I remember from my youth when I first was got into Congress, you know, 500 years ago. So He's giving them a bunch of outs, and yet the right-wing media, once again, as we've looked at, freaking out on him. First, they freaked out about semi-fascists. Now they're freaking out on him, calling them a danger to democracy. And they're like, oh, my 
god how dare you no but that really hurt like they're the ones who are going around like you socialist commie you know like uh, abortionist piece of shit like you bartender as if that's a slur right and then you're like okay but your policies are fascist you have inspired mass shooters who kill brown people on purpose your your president when he was elected people celebrated in heavy air quotes by hiling hitler and toppling jewish headstones in jewish cemeteries then a year later, your Unite the Right rally resulted in a neo-Nazi driving a car that killed a woman. So I'm going to go ahead and say you're kind of fascist. You're ultra-nationalist, jingoistic, chauvinistic, Christian nationalist, su- white supremacist. I think we can, who, who don't believe in democracy, as evidenced by January 6th. You have sitting Congress people speaking at the America First PAC conference. America First is a well-known anti-Semitic uh, uh, white nationalist political line throughout American politics. Parroted by Charles Lindbergh during World War II as an excuse not to get involved in that war, right? But from a Nazi isolationist angle. Parroted by the KKK. I'm going to say... You should just own up to it and understand that you are extremists. And yeah, you might be fascist. And they're like, oh, yeah, that hurts. Here's Nikki Haley saying that exact thing. The idea that he condemned us was worse than Hillary calling us deplorables, was worse than Obama calling us extremists. He basically called us bad people. <laughs> I... I put the seat down every time, okay? And I hold doors for people. And I wipe the area around the sink in in airport and uh, um, airplane bathrooms. You know how there's always water? I wipe it. How can you say I'm a bad person just because I think that people of color and white people should live in separate communities? Oh, my God. Just because I think immigrants bring disease. (laughs) like you gotta wonder you know fuck hitler but was he this fragile like was he really all that fragile? like was he like and uh, all i want to do is gas the jews and you're being really really mean about it like what the fuck man just own up to your political cause bro that's even sadder and it makes me think i'm not a religious person and i really find this phrase used by like weirdos a lot like oh you know the greatest trick the devil ever ever pulled was convincing people that it didn't exist and i'm like i think the greatest trick that fascists are pulling is the idea that they're that political philosophy doesn't exist that they're not fascists that's some devil shit right there like oh no we're we we don't believe in this except we just enact it every single day Anyway, that's what I'm bitching about. What are you guys bitching about? And what is my guest? Comedian, actress, writer, and activist who has shows pretty much everywhere. D.C., Los Angeles, and San Jose this fall. Do not miss her and her special on HBO Max, Fighting Words, which is funny as hell. 
personal. You'll laugh. You'll cry. Please welcome Ida Rodriguez. <laughs> I was still laughing at your Hitler. <laughs> uh. Right? Like, I just... It, it's so sad to run away from your own ideology. You know what I mean? Like Because it's not ideology, right? It's rooted in hatred. It's whatever justifies the hatred. Whatever is the vessel to get the hatred across. If it's ideology, if it's religion, it's social, you know, uh, social commentary. But whatever you can use to say, I hate people who are different than me because I either want to be those people or I hate myself. It's just easier right. to say that I'm a Republican. Totally. Or I refuse to go to therapy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, even though I have the money for it. Oh, like, yeah. let's go to therapy. Mm-hmm. And, and, and anyway, say, uh, you know, and not to just pinpoint Republicans, because there are quite a few racist Democrats and, you know, Democrats who are homophobic and transphobic and blah, 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 blah. So, you know, but it's just uh, it's just people using... There's this thing this th- that I've had to reckon with in the last couple of years in my own career that people will demonize you to justify their jealousy. And so a lot of times that that's rooted in that, you know, because I, I mean, I have some queer friends that look so happy and the people who I hear say that they, they just don't. That's against the Bible. And I'm like, you look, I want I rather go to hell and be happy. Then not, yes. you know, because you guys live fucking miserable. So I, I just, that's how I whenever I see like a dude with a fetus sign saying, oh. you know, like a bloody fetus mm-hmm. outside of a Planned Parenthood, it's like you're going to hell. And I'm like, but are you going to be in heaven, man, with bloody fetus sign? Because you're not a fucking vibe. I don't I don't fuck with you. Like, I don't want to be in heaven with you. Yeah, that sounds like it sucks. So you're basically making a strong case for hell right now. Pretty much. Ida, it's been a long time. You've been all over the place. Um, But what are you bitching about? You know what I'm bitching about? These people who are having these tantrums about student loans that have been crying and whining, talking about how they, they had to pay their student loans when they got those student loans and had opportunities based on their privilege and are really upset about the fact that people who don't make enough money to survive in this country got a little bit of a break. I mean, I say pardon all the student loans, right? That's what I say. So that makes me, you know, spawn of Castro, let some people yes. say it. But <laughs> I just think that uh, I'm so tired of hearing motherfuckers who have had you know, just to, he with Tommy Lauren, like when we were at Politicon, who was still on her parents. Um, yes. Remember, she was still on health her parents' health care plan. Yes, and was I remember criticizing that. people. And it's, it's just it's this hypocrisy that lingers with this group of people. And I can't even relegate it to a political party because it's a disservice to a political party. It's just a low grade thinkers, like this group of people who believe that it is okay for them, but not other people. And they, and it's just, I'm, I'm tired. I'm so sick of it. And it's, it's really gross and just really ugly and un-American based on what they say America is to want to right. see other Americans suffer. But I think that's like a, that's in dispute, right? I think a lot of people think that being American is sort of like being in a bucket of crabs 
and clawing over all these other crabs just to get yours and then shitting on the rest of the pile, you know, yeah. and then being like, well, I got out. Why can't you get mm -hmm. out? You know, and and like you're someone who's faced a lot of adversity in your career and your life yep. and has done worked very, very hard. Um, and I don't imagine you're like, I think everyone should sleep in their car. Like, I know you openly no. talk about that, like, you know. <laughs> You, right? Like, you're not someone who's now resentful of people who didn't have to fight as much as you did. No, not at all. I I, I fight so that they don't have to. Um, you know, I would love to create. I would love for me to have been the last woman that I had to experience what I experienced at the hands of abuse and oppression. I would love to have been what that's where the line was drawn. If me going through that would have said that it would have made it easier for every woman that came after me or every person who was unhoused that came after me 100%. But, you know, it's it, it's it's an ugliness that is, you know, being revealed. It's not new. It's just, it's always mm. been there. It's this ugliness of uh, that's being revealed to people who are bitter and unhappy. And there's something deeper. It's not just a social take. It comes from an emotional mm. root. Because right. people who are genuinely happy don't get joy out of making other people miserable. So it, it just comes from a different place. You know, I glad, I'm the only person in my family in my tax bracket. Um, I work very hard so that they can all join me. It's not like I want to sprinkle, hey, guys, I want them all to get to the place where they can all survive and be well. Um, and I'm going to have to pay some things and taxes and more than them because I'm in a different situation. I'm not bitching about that. You guys catch up or um, I had right. to do it. It's just ugliness. It's very ugly. Right. Yeah, absolutely. It makes me, yeah, I don't, anyway, well, we, we got to move on. And we're going to talk, obviously, more about this with Braxton in a little bit. But we got to get into the week. A few things that happen. I will catch you up and then we'll dig into two stories. Turns out that part of what the documents the FBI found at Mar-a-Lago were 48 empty folders. And I know what you're thinking. Something was removed from those folders. Counterpoint, what if those folders were just empty because they were aspirational? Like they were going to put something in it. Just like the empty folder I have in my filing cabinet labeled retirement. <laughs> like Sometimes there's going to be something in there. Uh, a Trump-appointed judge granted the former president his request for a special master to review the documents that the DOJ took from his golf estate. Trump and the DOJ will have to agree on who that special master will be. And yes, one of the candidates will be Rudy Giuliani in drag trying to, as he'll call it, pull a Bugs Bunny. That will happen. Mark my words. Uh, Wisconsin Senator Ron Johnson says we should stop the labor shortage by getting seniors to work again. And to do that, he wants to not charge them the 6% payroll tax. Isn't that just adorable? He, you will get to keep every penny of your $7.25 an hour, which is, yes, the current minimum wage. Now, are we going to raise that in Wisconsin? No, 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 no. And like, I know you guys are thinking, God, this is so late stage capitalism, but I think it gets worse. I think that Bosses are going to try and reanimate corpses before they ever agree to, like, giving you a livable wage or a union. So uh, support Mandela Barnes is what I want to say to that. There's a new COVID booster out. 
targeting the BA5 subvariant of Omicron, but unlike the other shots, this one hasn't been clinically tested on humans, but on mice. And I, for one, am going to be taking it because fuck mice. I'm tired of mice taking my indoor dining spots, my concert tickets, going clubbing, making out with strangers that buy them rum and Cokes. Like mice are living their best life right now. And I'm still masking at the grocery store. So, yes, please. Um, Leonardo DiCaprio has split from his girlfriend of four years just days after her 25th birthday. And it seems like Leo just doesn't date women older than 25, which is her loss, but my unborn baby's gain. Just like a ripe 72-year-old Leo. Yes. Yes, girl. Um, that is my retirement plan for four years. Um, <laughs> the web host Cloudflare has finally dropped the website Kiwi Farms, whose logo looks like a clitoris. Can we just observe? That is a full clit. Like, that is the anatomical clitoris. Uh, if you're listening as a podcast, I think you know what I mean. It's like the full realm of it, all the nerves. Um. Anyway, this site, Good Riddance, it was basically a site to bully and dox trans people, get them swatted, put hits out on their life. And we can only hope that the site gets sold for parts and that the name is awarded to a gay ranch resort in New Zealand where it properly belongs. And finally, I'm sorry, this is going on. Finally, 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 Chile rejected a vote to change their Pinochet holdover constitution. 62% of the population voted no. And as disappointed as I am, just getting that vote is pretty fucking insane. Like, the proposal was pretty much a diner menu of everything you could want in a real democracy rights for indigenous people reproductive rights rights for the environment requiring women are 50 percent of state bodies and companies owned by the government and they got 38 percent of the public to vote for it like that's that's pretty good i'm just gonna say and uh r.i.p rest in power to journalist and activist barbara ehrenreich who died everyone please read her book nickel and dimed um there is no such thing as unskilled labor and uh she had the most incredible take on the working poor, um, who are, she called, philanthropists of our society. To be a member of the working poor is to be an anonymous donor, a nameless bene benefactor to everyone. That is what she said. For everything else, this is The Week Where. Okay, so this was The Week Where Donald Trump held a rally in Pennsylvania for the fledgling GOP candidate, Dr. Oz. Ida, I'm sh I don't know how much you've been following this race, but Dr. Uh, Mehmet is not looking good. Not looking good. You know, the dog and pony show that Malcolm X referred to shows up every week in American politics. I, I am almost speechless sometimes as where we are so much that I have shut down emotionally because I feel like I have to prepare for the apocalypse, but it is, uh, I'm just like the end is near and it's not because the Bible says so, but because man has decided that, but, um, you know, the Dr. Oz has been so problematic in so many different ways. And I'm always going to go back to this where how we end up with a president like Donald Trump, where Oz is even a name in the political realm, where, I mean, I like The Rock, but even The Rock said he thought about running for president, where Kanye thinks that the America has, you know, two really big issues with, one, our educational system is garbage, 
And the average person doesn't have the information that they need, which is why they vote against their own interests. They keep people in office because they're nice to them or they look nice. They have no idea what's going on. And then the other day, they sold them a supplement once. They sold them a supplement once. And if you look at the, uh, I mean, the, the, if you listen to the talking points of some of these people who make it to air, which often they do because of people like Jordan Klepper, Klepper and Emma and people who get a, a, an opportunity to go out there and have conversations with these people, which I think is sad because it indicates, <laughs> it gives you a good view into what, you know, remember the people who didn't know that Obamacare was the Affordable Care Act and they were yes. for a, the Affordable Care Act and against Obamacare and some people voted against their own interests to have, or what, it's just, a, we are in a Kurt Vonnegut book. And so yeah. to think about that, and then the the celebrity worship in this country, because that's what they keep people occupied with. They're constantly being fed information that keeps them distracted from what what's really happening that's affecting them. We're just in a very sad state. And you know, unfortunately for the average American who doesn't have the information and doesn't have the resources, they are the ones that are suffering and struggling. And so when you talk about Dr. Oz, um, it's just sad to me that we, he's even that we're even having a conversation where we have to mention his name. It's awful. <laughs> you know, the other person who's sad that he has to mention his name is Donald Trump, in fact. Yes. Um Donald Trump, very mad. He has to share the limelight with Mehmet Oz. Um, Trump's probably behind the scenes going, Oprah didn't give me my career. Yep. I was big before that. Um, but let's just watch a couple clips from this speech. And I know, yeah, it's a Trump speech. Fuck Trump. What is he saying? You know, another crazy thing. But this goes to this next next level, um, which I feel like the clown car, like the wheels haven't just come off. It's like, we're just we're like flintstoning it they're just like right like like using their feet to walk in their little clown car so here trump is talking about uh why we should fear the radical left the radical left democrat party is not in my opinion a 50 percent party within our country they're against god guns oil law enforcement voter id tax cuts regulation cuts the Constitution, and they're against our founding fathers. Other than that, actually, they're quite good. Other than that, actually, they're quite good. See, that to me is just like a strong punchline. That's just like, yeah, like you know, he's got, he's got open mic, like hack comic energy. Yep, Ida, and that was just like, other than that, they're good people. It's the same thing. Remember, Mexicans, they're rapists, they're bringing drugs. Other than that, they're good people. Against the Constitution, and tax cuts this is a guy who passed tax cuts for the rich including a full you could write off a private plane straight up 60 million dollars boom done uh against the constitution the guy who <laughs> sicked an entire mob on the capitol building like ah uh, they do not see in the mirror you know, and the thing is that that goes, it plays right. Nobody insults his base more than he does, right? Because he he knows he can get away with, I mean, he has someone die from taking hydrochloroquine because they were listening yeah. to him. So he knows the power that he wields over these people. And so he uses it. He's like, these dummies, like, do you don't ever see uh, Donald Trump out there 
taking pictures with people in the mines and the farmers, like with the average person. Every His celebrity pics are always photo ops. And it's always, you know, the pictures with people who have influence and popularity. He doesn't care about those people. So he just tells them what they want to hear, that he's just emotionally emotionally playing with them. But the fact that this dummy gets a chance to even be in this realm is so, um, it's just, it's very scary (laughs) about where we are as a country. I feel like his star is fading. I'm going to be totally honest with you, but I look, I, and I don't buy that DeSantis is as bad, but that's just me. And, and I will say what I will say about DeSantis is he doesn't have, doesn't really have the pizzazz that Trump. I mean, let's just listen, listen to this next bit where Trump invokes Vladimir Lenin, or as he calls it, Lenin. I believe it was Lenin. Did anyone ever hear of Lenin? People would say it with less sophistication, Lenin. Lenin, I like the way they say that. Where he said, the vote counter is far more important than the candidate. Well, that turned out to be true. The vote counter is far more important than the candidate. <laughs> Lenin. So he's misquoting. Okay, it's not Lenin. The internet actually says that it's Stalin, that Stalin said that, that the vote counter has more influence than the vote, the, the, the person who cast the vote. But even Stalin didn't say that. He's just, he like read a thing online. Mm-hmm then misremembered whether it was Stalin or Lenin. And now he's just Lenin, like Puerto Rico. Because he doesn't think that those people who follow him know what, that's why he has such fun with it. It's not like his base is going to fact check him. (laughs) Right, right. He's like, I'm telling you, I know that he's probably just like, it doesn't matter. They don't know. They They don't know. Like, you know, that that's why they support him. He's yeah, exactly. He's not going to they're not going to be like, um, actually, Leninist pedagogy was definitely not about that. And um, <laughs> exactly. Lenin was a much uh, better precursor. Um, he should have remained a power. Blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I don't know. I don't know my uh, my deep socialist uh, history. What is to be done, Francesca? I don't know. Um, but OK, final, final, maybe final little bit from this Trump rally. They need music now, Ida. It's not enough that he could just speak. It's because it's like it's been, you know, hour three, you start to sleep, you know, and like in the Mar- every Marvel movie. And then when the music picks up, you're like, oh, shit, some good's happening. Here we go. As long as we are confident and united, the tyrants we are fighting do not stand even a chance because we are Americans and Americans kneel to God and God alone. My fellow citizens, this incredible journey we are on together has only just begun. And it is time to start talking about greatness for our country again. They replaced so, the black dude, the blacks for Trump. He got replaced. Oh, they took him out? Yeah, he got replaced. They were like, you can't, you can't do a dot com. The only people who can advertise during these rallies are Trump and his minted gold coins. Yeah. Um, gold. We think it's gold. Um, 
So they they had to implore music. The music lasts for like four or five minutes. I was almost waiting for him to be like, you can stop that now. Because it's like, even, don't you feel like it's a little corny even for him? But no. It's culty. You know, music is, music is a tool that's used, right? To, to soothe and calm people. Like, it's like, there's this old movie and I just saw it with Steve Martin and Deborah Winger about uh, these religious people that were taking advantage of um, people. It's called, I forgot the name of it, but that was part of it. Like the music was a part of the whole and people are like this with their eyes closed. It looks like a, like a revival, a church revival. Oh yes, yes, yes. Oh, of course. It's like that. Well, that's the thing is like, you're just waiting for him to pass around the donation bucket, right? You're like, and that's why, you know, lights go down, music starts, please give this pastor who already has a Rolex. So church. (laughs) Yeah. And that's what they do at the the rally and people are, you know, struggling and they're giving their last buying those expensive hats. They don't have it. I mean, you can look at it. A lot of those people don't, they don't have the health care. They don't have dental, they don't have vision, like, but they will give him their money. Yeah. Promise me. Yeah. I, I just, do they think that like undocumented folks are like just hoarding all of that? Like that once they give him, once they buy the Trump coin, like that takes suddenly like an undocumented immigrant will be like here's your health care damn it yeah (laughs) (laughs) probably i mean somebody there probably thinks that i mean he's 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 predatorial he's he's really taking advantage of people who you know as much as we want to demonize them and hate them those people are victims as well they're victims of you know, the American education system, the healthcare system, they're victims. They just don't know that they're victims. And that's what makes it worse. Cause they, I know. And, and this is like a whole genre of politics that tells, that tells them that like the left is the one that constantly is being victimized and victimizing themselves just because we like celebrate diversity because we like understand and like, and accept mm-hmm. diff- people from different religion. Like, no, 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 that's a victim mentality. Even to be aware of anything is the victim mentality. No, you just gotta be like, you're you're a billionaire. You are a billionaire, go. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so overall, the, the race for Oz is not going good. The Senate race in Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. um, he is trailing definitely in money. And I know in, in like polling, he's trailing Fetterman. And Mitch McConnell even admitted, he was like, look, our Senate candidates aren't that good. He's looking at Herschel Walker in in Georgia, and he's looking at Mehmet Oz. He's seeing them like, mm, I don't know. I don't know if we're going to do this. Does it um, Does it seem a little, uh, is it a little odd that the black dude and the guy named Mehmet is not doing well with the base of people who hate <laughs> Black Lives Matter and think that everyone who has a name like Mamet is a member of ISIS. Like what, what makes those people think the model minority mentality is, has never been good for any person who is associated with racist, um, oppressive thinking people. So I think it's funny to watch. Of course, the, the people you are trying to appeal to think you're the problem. Yeah, totally. They're going or they're going to blame. Oh, they're absolutely. Like if JD Vance loses in Ohio, which also JD Vance not looking good. No one's necessarily going to blame JD Vance, but they will blame 
Herschel Walker and Mehmet Oz. Like, mm, I don't know. He just wasn't one of us, wasn't one of our people, even though they're both like millionaires. <laughs> they're yeah. both like super rich. Um, no, I think that's a really interesting, that is an interesting point. Lastly, Trump said this about Mitch McConnell because it's interesting. He's mad at Mitch. He's mad at Mitch for casting doubt on some of the Senate candidates. He's mad at Mitch generally. I'm questioning, does this mean a rift between the two? Republicans locally that ran things in a lot of states should be ashamed of themselves. Should be ashamed of themselves. And a guy like Mitch McConnell, who allowed this stuff to happen, should be scorned. He should be scorned. <laughs> scorned. He should be banished. I love that. Scorned. How, how, that is the lightest insult Trump has ever issued on anyone, right? Like, oh, I'm so big as a scorn him. <laughs> when he walks in a room, just look the other way. Scorn. Yeah. Um, uh, anyway, we'll see. Like, I don't know. I've heard talk of Mitch McConnell might be backing, you know, uh, DeSantis. And so Trump's mad and blah, blah, blah. But like, fucking Mitch McConnell is the harbinger of do he's the reason you exist dude like you can't throw him under the bus you need him um anyway fuck trump and all that noise yay fetterman everybody uh get involved and donate make calls etc um let's move on to something important and crucial here uh in another part of the country this was the week where after heavy rain and flooding residents of jackson mississippi were left completely without potable water to drink but also uh, water to shower with, water to brush their teeth with. Um, once again, Jackson is the capital of Mississippi, home to 150,000 people, 80% of whom are black. And it turns out the water treatment plant has actually been on the fritz for a very long time. So this is from the Washington Post. Um, the water system in Mississippi has been failing for years. Uh, in 2021, a harsh winter storm knocked the system out for a month. Even when the water is flowing from the taps, residents struggle with intermittent boiling water advisories and high bills for water that is not always safe to drink. This week, in part because of severe floods, the treatment plant failed completely, leaving the city's residents without water to drink, bathe, or even flush toilets. Governor Tate Reeves declared Jackson's ongoing water crisis an immediate health threat. Experts say this crisis was years in the making, a result of inadequate funding for essential uh, infrastructure upgrades. For the past year, leaders of this majority black Democratic-led city have been pushing for additional funding from white Republicans who run the state. But little has come of those appeals. So speaking of Tate Reeves, um, this is from AJ Plus, you know my uh, alma mater, uh, the EPA warned Mississippi in 2020 of imminent dangers for people drinking ta Jackson's tap water. The 80% black city has saw repairs since the 1940s. And Governor Reeves repeatedly refused requests for funding. And the state only approved 6% of requested repair funds last year. Only 6% of what they've been fighting for and asking for since the 1940s. Now, does that have anything to do with, I don't know, uh, white flight, the demographics of that city? Let's take a look. Uh, this is also, also from the Washington Post. Um, since the 80s, looking at the demographics in Jackson, the population drastically changed since its peak in 1980 at about 200,000. Um, and you see the number of residents, black residents, 
climbing to above 120,000 and the number of white residents going down to a little bit over 20,000, just complete reversal. And so no wonder this city has been defunded, right? And no wonder people like Tate Reeves um, are now making blanket excuses for some shit that they has been happening on their watch. They knew was going on. Um, so uh, more specifically about that, and not it's not just water, obviously, going on in, in Jackson. Um, it's just one of many crises facing Jackson, Hartwell said. She said every, a this is a, a, a citizen, she said every aspect of the city's infrastructure needs to be addressed. She often has to take her car for repairs because of potholes. During the recent flood, she almost lost her car driving to work on a flooded bridge. She also says the city has to get crime under control. A few months ago, she was the victim of a carjacking. Um, and this is from Shambay Jones. Uh, this is a Cooperation Jackson, which is doing a lot of outreach right now, getting bottled water to people, helping people just make ends meet. Um, says that the water crisis has build, been building for years. Jones pointed to a deal that Jackson struck in 2013 with Siemens, a German multinational company, to clean up the city's billing system. The project failed spectacularly with the city suing and receiving a $90 million settlement. So right now, Tate Reeves is saying we should privatize the water system in Jackson, right? Not like let's fully fund it like I'm supposed to, like they've been asking for, but we should privatize it. Siemens tried to privatize it a few years ago and get, get the, I, I noticed the billing system, like, oh, I guess people are being paid three or being charged $300 when their water is shit anyway. And they're like, oh, we'll get that under control. And they fucking, they didn't do anything. They gouged the city and then they had to pay out $90 million to it. Did that fix the problem? Clearly not. But it's just the idea that they were thinking of relying on privatizing the water system is insane at this point. Um, had you been following this story and, and just thoughts on, like thoughts on where we are, where this major American city has no potable water? You know, um, it is so exhausting, I'm sure you know, that we are still talking about this, right? We, we don't, when, we, when Flint was brought to our attention, we talked about, you know, cities who lacked uh, the proper infrastructure so that they could survive, not just, not thrive, survive. But when you think about communities where the people are predominantly of color, um, black people in America, and you hear about stuff like this, you know, I I don't I don't even I'm exhausted talking about it. I I, I just want to know. I want to just fast forward to solution. Like, what do we need to do? Because it it it's not just talking points. Like, we need to boycott. We need to know where we put our money. We need to mobilize people. We need to. People don't have basic information. They, they don't know who they're voting for that supports this stuff. I think it's just disgusting to see that in 2022, where anywhere in the world there is a, a there's a there's a capacity of some nuclear arm that can end humanity, and that we have the arms for it and continue to have the money to uh, to keep those things in the world, which we don't really need that many if they really are capable of ending it all, right? We have money for all kinds of 
foolishness. You know, I go to these airports and I see these aquariums in the airports that are funded by people's taxpayer taxpayer dollars. An aquarium, as you walk by on your layover, frustrated as hell because you got on a mask and you don't want to get COVID. But you're going to want to watch this rainbow fish on the way there because they, they spend billions of dollars in the airport. And there are children in the city who live under bridges and people in Mississippi who don't have water, along with the people in Flint and all of the other places in America where they don't have good water, which I have an app on my phone that tells you exactly how what's in the water wherever you are, just like I have my land acknowledgement app. <laughs> like It's like, thank you, oh, you like know, my Choctaw people for letting me be on your land. By the way, I can't drink the water because there's arsenic in it. That's a, my reality. So it's just <laughs> amazing to me how we call ourselves, because we love to say, and we know America is not the greatest place on earth, and you can love it and be honest about it, because my mom ain't the best, per- my, the best mother on the planet. But I just think that we sit here and we have these conversations at nauseum, and the truth of it is, is that somebody needs help, right? And they don't have the tools, right? We're not, we're not mobilizing. We're just talking. We're not going to the communities and saying, you can't vote for this person. We got to get rid of this DA. You know, your senator is not in support of you having reproductive rights. They don't know. They're too busy surviving. You want to stop getting carjacked? You want to stop getting carjacked? Look at the crime rate since COVID. It's right. like, and, and, and you're going to, you can demonize these people all you want. Everybody is surviving. That's what happens. You want to purge. You love to watch the movies and the TV show. You getting it. It's what do you, think? I think that it's, I think that it's also, you're right about the education and also just like what we're in consuming media wise and nationally, like these stories rarely make it like this has been, you know, every single resident is like, yeah, you guys are late to the party because we've been having to boil our water for a really long time. But anyway, thank you for paying attention. And we would really like, uh, you know, uh, you to not just move the cameras to a new water crisis, but it puts the spotlight on just like COVID did Tate Reeves being the fucking worst governor like this guy did not believe covid was real didn't give a shit about it uh didn't care if people were dying he also is an incredible anti like choice motherfucker like super super uh draconian when it comes to reproductive rights what about all the pregnant women having to drink contaminated water are you pro-life are you really pro-life or do you not actually care? Or, oh, because it's an 80% black city. Nah, you know, if it was your white neighborhood, then you might have to, some money for it. But it's like, I think that's what matters is like the local politics have become really, really heightened. I didn't know who this idiot with a third grader haircut Tate Reeves was. I mean, until recently. Yeah. You know, this sort of like Chucky ass with a who got, you know, uh, uh, found a comb somewhere in a closet looking motherfucker. Like, I just, I was so happy to live my life not knowing who Tate Reeves was. And then even I, like, because of COVID was like, oh man, that governor's fucking up and that governor's fucking up, you know? Um, And it's a blessing and a curse to know who these people are. It's like, if you say their name three times, they come out of the closet. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, but apparently there's, now water pressure back in Jackson, but we'll see. Like, this is one of those stories where you're like, yeah, there has to be accountability. Just like in Flint, there was, I mean, very little accountability. But who's honestly following up with that story? Um, 
there's barely accountability in like Uvalde when it, um, children are shot on mass. The attention span of the people, it's like they move, they keep them cycling out and the new cycles in and cycles out and it's indoctrinating. You know, it's a people, it's like a, not a conspiracy theory for me. I'm, I see it in real time. Like you watch, I know people who are like, oh, that's not what we're on this week. This week we're on this. Well, that wasn't resolved. And now there's a scroll of things that haven't been resolved. And here we are. And here we are, Black people in America still being the target of oppression. And like people are scared. We don't want to we don't want to cause the race stuff. Why are we always bringing up race? Motherfucking people who been at the at, at the the on the end of the the short end of the stick in this country for how many years? Is we passed 400, so don't hit me with the 400 no more. It's got, we are still talking about people begging for respect and just human decency. And these people are okay with their those little kids not drinking good water. Yeah. It's, yeah. And, the, and, and finally, like, this is like Tucker Carlson straight up called Biden's plan for like climate plans, which like address a little bit of this environmental racism, like a portion of it, like right. infrastructure basically for, for, you know, low income and right. disproportionately black and brown community. He called that racist. He called that like just openly, like, again, he doesn't even say reverse racist. You just say, yeah, that's racist mm -hmm. against white people. Like it's all a plan to like help people of color. And you're like, I can't believe we're like we're being fed this nonsense well tucker carlson and all of the goonies know how to they know what to say to move their base like mind you these are the people who say um who said that they they are they were hyping up the anti-vaccination people while having vaccinations they're the ones that yeah. were isolating and staying away from people so it's it, it's um it they just with know. The with like low key eugenics, like a like low key Darwinistic slash high key, like oh, m m majority black people are being affected by COVID. Whoops. Yep. Guess, mm, guess people don't know how to wash their hands. Like they almost essentially said that. Yeah, pretty much. Um. <laughs> anyway, we have to move on. He's been waiting so patiently in the wings. Super excited to have him here. Breaking all the things down with the, the Biden debt relief plan and what's next on the table. Um, he's a press secretary and organizer at Debt Collective, the nation's first debtors union. Please welcome Braxton Brewington. Hey, proud to be here. Braxton, okay, so tell, tell us what is in Biden's student debt relief plan. And more importantly, I get, not more importantly, but how are people going to access it? We've been talking about it, but like, how do you get it? <laughs> but like, what is what are what are the main pillars of this of his plan? Sure. So first off, everyone who makes under one hundred and twenty five thousand dollars a year, or married couples who make under two hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year, are going to have ten thousand dollars or up to ten thousand dollars, depending on how much you have, of your student debt completely knocked off. Now, if you have mm -hmm. a Pell Grant, if you're a Pell Grant recipient at any moment, right, that, that's a, another particular point, because I know some folks who maybe were a Pell for all four years or just one semester. If you re are right. a Pell Grant recipient at any moment, you get an additional $10,000. So that could be $20,000 for you. 
So that is a pretty big deal for a lot of people that could has the potential to zero out student loan debt for 20 million Americans. That's almost half of the people who have student loan debt. Um, yeah. If you, uh, you know, have the Pell Grant and you want this 20K, which I'm assuming is everyone who that applies to, the sort of tough thing is you're going to have to apply. There is an application and we push back on get against this and still are pushing against this because there's no reason for them to make people apply. They should just automatically eliminate this debt. But you'd have to go to, you know, studentaid.gov and um, apply. The application does not come out until early October. Um, so, it's, <laughs> so it's not out yet. Um, and then you will um, apply. You should get your relief about four in about four to six weeks after you apply. But you want to okay. apply as soon as possible because payments are going to are set to resume in January. We're pushing to make sure that that doesn't happen either. But payments are set to resume in January, so we wouldn't want someone who's um, eligible for a debt cancellation to end up having to pay on student loans that the government's going to cancel. So those are a couple of the big points about the announcement. There is some smaller stuff that's happening. For example, mm -hmm. the income driven repayment plan, which a lot of people are on and can join. Before it was set to 10% of your discretionary income. So after your rent, after your major bills, you're supposed to pay 10% um, per month. That's been capped at 5% if your original balance was below $12,000. So there's a lot of ifs and ifs and ifs here. Qualifying. Um, wait, wait, yeah. so it's capped at 5% of your discretionary. So it's like, right. I don't know, my, I mean, discretionary could be like movie fund or, you know, stuff that's like after all my basic needs are taken care of kind of thing. That's pretty good. But, and then is that means tested? Or are you saying you're saying at 12,000? Right. From my understanding, that's people whose original balance was below $12,000. So there's a lot of um, interesting qualifications, but for a lot of people, their payment could be essentially cut in half. Um, and if for those people, if you were to pay every month, and a lot of people actually qualify for $0 a month. And so for a lot of those people, if you were to consistently pay whatever that amount is, even if it's $0 a month, the interest will no longer accrue. So there's a couple of small wins here, but they are a lot of qualifiers. And it really is just another, you know, way of sort of revamping the system to make it quote unquote work. Um, but it never really works in the end. And um, we really mm -hmm. just need full student debt cancellation. And we need to just make college free so that nobody needs to go in debt in the first place to get an education. Yeah, 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 yeah. It is like not having, I mean, it seems like the last piece of this that I think is sort of transformative is that 10 year cap. Can you talk about that? And then we'll get into like what needs to be different about this. The For the income driven repayment program. Yeah, yeah, that you can't hold, like after 10 years, it's like, well, you paid what you could. <laughs> like, is that how it's working? It's gonna work? Right. So now that income driven new payment program is, you know, you're supposed to pay for 20 years and then your debt gets canceled. Now they've capped it at for that same demographic that we talked about 
Now they've capped it at 10 years. The problem with okay. the program is that it rarely works. Like I think something like a less than 200 people have ever have ever had their debt canceled through all of these sorts of programs, public service loan forgiveness, income driven repayment programs. They don't really work, which is why there was a demand to just cancel student debt, right? Because these programs that either came about during the Bush administration or the Obama administration just simply don't work because the student loan system is not designed to work because loans don't work. <laughs> College should just be free. <laughs> I might say that a couple of times. Yeah, yes, absolutely. And and so, okay, sticking within this like very narrow plan, like what do you, what do you beyond full cancellation what do you think should be different like one thing that stood out to me was the 125k and only because ida was making this point earlier on in the show you know a lot of folks who are like i paid mine off no 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 and a lot of like i was making the, and i've said like look anyone on television is not going to be for this cuz they're all making over 125k <laughs> easy like wealthy people have no buy in on this even if they do have loans themselves so there's this argument to make things universal so that wealthy people can be often, you know, they're against the working, you know, like, uh, you know, folks who don't make as much money as them, like have them be advocates for these programs, you know, have them like cancel their fucking debt too. Who cares? You know, that's my, that's my take on it. But um, what else do you wish were different beyond this? Yeah. It is 10 K is. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. So there shouldn't have been an income cutoff from the beginning, right? We There's a lot of people who are like healthcare professionals who make just over $125,000. Um, the people who, um, you know, there's it's interesting that, you know, Biden says he won't tax anyone who makes over $400,000, but when it comes to student debt cancellation, right, the number is now about $125,000. And we know $125,000 is really just not what it used to be a couple of years ago, especially when you live in states like California, New York. Um, so first of all, there shouldn't have been an income cut, an income cutoff. Also, this cancellation should have been administered automatically. So making people apply is a really, really tough bureaucratic process that buries debtors in red tape. And what happens is the people who don't have access to that are actually the people who end up being the most low income, right? So there are people who actually, you know, the rollout of this isn't clean, right? There's a announcement, there's some qualifications, the application doesn't exist until a couple of months from now, right? Are these people going to get notifications about the application? Are they going to get reminders? So this isn't clean. And just like other, you know, sort of government um, run programs, when things are automatic, they work a lot better, right? Social security, mm -hmm. you don't have to, once you hit the age, you're just in the program. <laughs> you don't have to apply and fill out paperwork to join, right? But when you start to, you know, stimulus checks, right? They just got sent to people's homes. And I know there were some mistakes there, right? But you don't, um, you know, they just got sent to your direct depositor. They just got mailed in yeah. the check. But when you have to start to fill out this paperwork, you know, then that's when people who lowest income, disproportionately black and brown people are just not going to know about the application. Uh, it takes, a, it might, it could take a while to figure it out. What if English is, you know, not your first language and the application is, right? So there's several bits and pieces of this that I don't think 
people in federal government, the Department of Education are necessarily thinking about because they're sort of wrapped up yeah. in a, their own bubble of who would be able to get this. And I, I think we just sort of have a, a recurring theme with you know not just the Department of Education, but the government where we say, we want to make it so that, um, you know, if there are a hundred people, we want it so that that one person can't take advantage of something. And so we're gonna make the other 99 people go through this <laughs> burdensome process, right? Rather right, than right. just full cancellation. And if we're worried that there's people who for some reason are super rich and also have student loans, right? We don't know who that person is, but if that person is out there, just tax them on the back end, right? Raise taxes on the wealthy, on the rich to make sure that everyone's paying their fair share. I mean, just to say nothing, I'm sorry, but like that, like people like Rick Scott have like run Medicare scams like crazy. These are like, he's a fucking first governor. When he was governor, he ran a giant Medicare scam that people and a lot of Republicans, politicians, they're running scams on our social programs all the fucking time. Oh, but it, did you actually hurt yourself on the job? And let's really interrogate, you know, your workers right. comp claim and all that bullshit. Like, you know, it, and of course, to say nothing of PPP loans, which I railed about. And then I found out that my husband tried to apply for a PPP loan <laughs> just to see if he could. He was like, I don't know. I just did it. And then they got rejected. It got rejected, of course, because he doesn't have a fancy accountant and like not even an LLC. But the point is, is yeah, most people who get the big, big money have like, yeah, hookups and accountants and folks that get them that money and, and to say nothing of the paperwork, that's easy to fill out. Um, they have the time, but right. can I ask you what you think? Like, uh, you know, I initially was like 10 K is not enough. Then I was like, Oh man, this actually sounds kind of, it's a good start. I know that the debt collective has been saying like, this is a start. Where do you guys want to go from here? Like, and do you, I've heard various things. I, in my heart, I feel like Biden is not going to touch this issue again. Or, but are you guys like, he better touch it. We're going to make sure there's more coming. This is just the beginning. And as we get used to the idea that, Hey, this is possible. Let's go for more. Like, where, where are you guys at on that? Oh, e oh, even further, right? He needs to cancel the rest of student debt. And let's talk about other debt types, too. Let's talk about medical debt. Let's talk about yes. credit card debt, which most of credit card debt is just medical debt. Um, you know, so there's, there's, we really think this is actually sort of opening a can of worms to sort of get millions of people you know, in the same way that pausing student loans during COVID, right, for almost three years now, most people with federal student loans haven't had to pay a dime on their federal student loans, which I think has drastically right. changed the psychology of debt and this idea of who owes what to whom. And so this is sort of a next step, right, canceling this debt. People are immediately asking, well, why didn't you just cancel all of it? Now that they've seen him do it, they say, well, why don't you just cancel the rest of it? Or why did you make an income cap? Why can't you just cancel all? People in good right. faith and bad faith are saying, well, why don't you cancel medical debt? That's a great question. <laughs> you should do that as well. <laughs> yeah. Right. So yeah. we're definitely pushing for more. And I, um, 
Biden was not always going to do this, right? This is not something that he, he, he just had a sticky note on the corner of his desk, like, oh yeah, I have to cancel student debt, right? <laughs> this was something that he was pressured into doing by organizations and activists and debtors on the ground and folks on the inside. And so we now have a proof of concept, right? And so imagine what we can do with more people organizing and more people raising their voices, more people sharing their stories, more people talking about yeah. other debt types. So, you know, we, again, we have a proof of concept that, um, that you know, with, a left or with enough organizing on the left, we can pressure an administration, um, whether that's a Democrat or a Republican, to take action. And so we should just move forward with that on pushing for more cancellation and for pushing for the cancellation of other debt types as well. I love that. Um, you know, I was going to say that, and Ida, please jump in, but, you know, the majority of Americans support this move. But anecdotally and just generally, like, you see a lot of backlash, a lot of, I paid mine off, why can't other people pay theirs? You know, what about this? What about that? Um, and it kind of, like, I, I kept on saying, like, damn, we're not ready for socialism. <laughs> like, we're not, we're not ready to think bigger about shit like debt right we're not ready to break from this pathology of again that bucket of crabs that well i got out why can't you get out mm. and um and it's just like there's part of me that i'm, I'm hopeful because i think you're right but you it truly is breaking a um i think an indoctrination that americans have around money and around you know just privilege or versus a right you know the right to an education mm -hmm. versus that like privilege oh well one in a million you know or one in a hundred whatever yeah, anyway that's not really a question but i'm just <laughs> yeah well i mean america has always positioned capitalism as a privilege they have framed it as being patriotic and american and it's what makes us free they have, which is really what keeps us in bondage. They've always told us that the, the fact that we are able to become a billionaire, which we all know that that's not, you don't become a billionaire without uh, oppressing a people, you know, regardless of whatever you may think, there's nobody who's a billionaire that did it ethically. Um, and if there, if there is, and I'm wrong, please tell me, tweet me, let me know who those are. Cause I would love to, um, you know, my, eat my words and, and find out who this person is. But I just think that coming from, uh, being a child of immigrants, that has always been one of the things that has been sold to people is because you can go to America and be whoever you want to be. And right. you can become, or, or, and so with that idea of that you too can become a billionaire, they sell you that it is a right for you to have to buy bottled water when it's a natural resource. Right, absolutely. Yeah, and that it's better that way. But yeah, you guys are really, you know, I mean, Debt Collective has been on the forefront of breaking some of that mold, That's that, that ingrained mentality. And you're absolutely right. You know, people are like, well, what about my credit card debt? Well, what about my this debt? What about, you know, and I don't know, how do you sell folks on the idea of like solidarity and like community, <laughs> like that this is good for all of us, you know, even if you, let's say, don't have student debt? Yeah. So 
That is that is a great question and something that we try to do in several different ways. And sometimes it works good. Sometimes it doesn't work very well at all. Um, you know, we really always are pushing back on this notion of scarcity. We the, There is no zero sum game. There is enough to go around. Um, I can win and you can win and we can all win. Um, we can all get debts canceled, um, immoral debts, that is, or unjust debts. There are some debts that we do need to pay. And we talk about reparations and some climate debts and things like that all the time. But, you know, there is a lot of juxtaposing certain debt types to another that we always mm -hmm. push back on. And, and that's why we say we've never been a student debt organization. We've always been talking about household debts or community debts. We never use the term consumer debt because you don't consume healthcare. You don't consume okay. <laughs> loans for college, right? Um, you don't consume a mortgage. You just need a roof over your head. And so right, I think right. one way that we try to sell people is by talking about how the elimination of debt and sort of ridding yourselves of this type of shame is just beneficial to society, right? And so we start to talk about these questions of, you know, would you rather the your, your doctor or your nurse, would you rather them be in debt or would you, <laughs> you know, checking or giving you your daily checkup or your yearly checkup or would you rather them be debt free? You know, we sort of talk about communities and what it looks like when um, other people are suffering and how that can actually burden you. But it's it's tough, but we really try to push out of this like individual mindset and understand that we are a society, we are a community. And that's really tough to push through because that's at the, you know, rugged individualism is at the sort of core of yeah. American um, psychology. And so, that and that's, I think, why debt cancellation is so tough to get to, but why it's so remarkable that we've start to get here because being indebted in a lot of ways, I think feels, can feel American, right? It's this idea that you are, you know, the average American dies $62,000 worth of debt. So, you know, it feels very American to say, I'm, I'm bearing this burden and I'm gonna pay this off for the rest of my life because that is proof, that's my certificate that I earned it. And so this is really, it's flipping people's consciousness on their head. So what you're saying is the average American has the last laugh. Is that what you're saying? Cause I mean, does that automatically pass to our relatives <laughs> or do we just be like, peace? Bye. Um, right. <laughs> no, and, and, and to say nothing, you're talking about teachers and, and, and nurses and doctors and dentists and, you know, essential workers, people we need. And then you, you hear the like, well, it's your choice to go to school and get, you know, in debt. Like, you know, I inherited a CrossFit gym from my dad. This is Marjorie Taylor Greene for some reason. You know, I opened a bar that is gun themed. Now I'm Lauren Boebert, but like, you know, uh, Ted Cruz, my dad was wealthy and um, I chalk up our escape from Cuba every chance I get, even though he was just one of the wealthy ones. Anyway, like these are all the people who are now like, you got your degree in queer literature and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, no, man, these are people who are straight up helping. I mean, queer literature, also a giant help, I would argue. But like, the and, and so you also have to think about like, that's such a fucked up scarcity mindset too. Like if you can't afford it, then don't go to school. Don't become a doctor. Don't become a nurse. Don't become a teacher because of, because of like, it's hard enough as it is to do those professions. 
and now you're blaming them because they should have known that it was going to be that expensive. You know, it's just like it, it. I mean, speaking of what Ida was saying also earlier, like if our entire not just lack of education, but attitude towards education is compl- is backwards as hell. A lot of those people are talking to uh, the people who don't have an education. That's their base. So those are the people that push back this whole anti-intellectual uh, movement that you've seen since Donald Trump came along. And, and when B- Barack Obama, because all of these white people were so their psyches broke that this black man is now the leader of the free world and, and far more educated and informed. And they're like, how is this possible? But that's who they're talking to. So when, when, when Marjorie Taylor Greene is saying, well, then why are you, why don't you go be, you know, an electrician is because she knows that a lot of electricians are part of her constituency or a lot of people who don't have a formal education because that's how they baited these people into this cult, into believing that other people are trying to take away from them as opposed to the establishment that they belong to. Because these people are getting a a salary that comes from our taxpayer dollars. They have health care that's socialist. Their kids go to better schools than our schools because they can afford to go to private prep schools because of the money that we pay in taxes. Yet and still they go back and shit on the people who, you know, who are trying to get an education of a, a yep. better so that they can better themselves. But they benefit from the people that are are believing every day that black people are trying to take their stuff that mexican central americans because you know let's just be real when they frame immigration they give it a brown face they completely erase black immigrants while we talk about immigration and the black people that were stuck in mexico from that were haitian so we when we when we have these conversations and we think that these people are talking to us when they're like why are you getting it they're not talking to us they're talking to their base who they are fueling with hate to, yeah. to envy an education. Because if those people start getting information and education, they're not going to support them. And right. so that's right. why. They- and, it, and, and if an electrician makes a living wage, right? Like, or if an electrician gets too much money, that's yeah. also bad. Too. He's elitist. He's that now you think you're better than everybody because to them, they need you to be at, at, the, at the footstool. That's who. That's who they that's who they're talking to. They're not talking to you. They're not talking to us like why you went and got an education. They talking to the man that's angry that a black, brown, queer, uh, Asian person got an education over them. And now they're saying, well, well, damn you then. If you went and got an education and learn how to read, you got to pay this this loan. Because this person don't even, if you listen to some of these people arguing about student loans, they didn't even have a post-secondary education. We're like, why are you up in our business? Why are you worried about this? This is this is not even, have you didn't even go to college. Or they or they did and they hide it. I mean, or Ted Cruz who went to, went to Princeton is like, I'm never going to, like, he's going to wear his Princeton shirt on his, one of his fucking podcasts. Braxton, you, go back, I'm going back to you. Republicans, and I assume before the beginning, they got a month now. They're trying to litigate this. They, you know, they're going to find one of these, as Ida mentioned, kind of resentful people that either paid their own student loans and is going to be like, now that's illegal because, you know, whatever. They're going to try and litigate. They're going to try and work it through the courts. What are your guys' thoughts? What's your thoughts on that strategy? Yeah, we're not quite sure how successful they'll be because we are uh, 
um, it seems like Ted Cruz is asking the same questions we are. Who has standing to sue, right? So you can't just sue just to sue. <laughs> Um, you have to be able to prove to a, a judge um, and we'll assume that the judge is fair or legitimate or follows law, but th those aren't always judges, but we'll assume that, you know, the person has to make an, an actual effort to say that they were harmed. We're not really sure who would be able to make that argument. A lot of the student loan servicers themselves, right, maybe someone who would have standing to sue um, because they actually work and um, deal with the loans have said that that's not something that they're really interested in doing. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, we're, we're not, we're not sure what a challenge would actually look like. And, um, you know, once the loans are discharged, a future, um, you know, say a future, a hypothetical future Republican president can't just go back and reinstate them. That's, that's not how loans work. That would be creating a, a new loan. You, you can't do that. So, um, just kind of wanted to okay. shoot that talking point because I talking point down because I know that's been said by a couple of folks even at the White House. So we're we're sort yeah. of you know we'll, we'll knock on wood, but we we definitely are not sure who would have standing to sue and what a what a legitimate challenge would look like. Um, and so you know, but we're hoping that the Biden administration remains you know steadfast in this and. Just discharge, yeah. discharge the loans now, you know, do it automatically. And yeah. you don't have to wait for this hypothetical litigation. Absolutely. And uh, I mean, you know, they're going to put up some ridiculous front, but as they did do with like, you know, the ACA and abortion rights. But mm -hmm. but yes, um, everybody, studentaid.gov, um, debtcollective.org, I believe. Yep. Am I just making that up? <laughs> Debtcollective.org. It is thanks to the work of people like Braxton and those of Debt Collective that, you know, this win was even possible. So thank you so much. Everybody follow Debt Collective at Strike Debt on Twitter um, and follow Braxton. Can we follow you at Braxton sure. Brew 96 on Twitter? Um, thank you so much for joining us and for and for breaking it all down. Thank you for having me. Yes, we'll take good care. And we have one more segment, Ida. I know you got to go, but I, I'm squeezing this in. Um, this one I'm very excited about because a lot of things, bad things happen this week, but good things happen. And Biden's National Labor Relations Board um, has been very based lately. And they've ruled that Starbucks CEO Howard Schultz um, must read their his employees their union rights on video and send them apology letters for illegally withholding raises from union workers. Now, that's one of the many things they've been doing. They've been shutting down stores. They've been firing union organizers at Starbucks. We had um, Jazz on, who's a, who's a member of the Starbucks union a few weeks ago. Um, now, NLRB is like, Mm, not so fast. You have to reinstate these workers and you got to straight apologize. So NLRB is demanding Schultz records a video confessing his alleged violations of labor law and explaining the rights of the workers in front of union employees, a representative of the union and a representative of Biden's NLRB. A recording of the video will need to be made available according to the complaint. And as part of its complaint, the NLRB is demanding that Schultz post a notice to Starbucks workers about their rights 
and also that he read it into a camera personally and I'm saying a lot, a lot of things again, but, and write them letters of apology. So a recording about their rights, look into the camera Schultz, look, make it real. Like, like I want, I just want like someone from Biden's NLRB to be like, do it again. I didn't believe that. That was so dry. Step it up. That, and then individual apology letters for these actions. And like, this is so good. It's such a great development in the Starbucks union saga. It doesn't mean, you know, the fight is over, but the fact that we've got like, this would never happen under Trump. The fact that we've got an NLRB that's like kind of, you know, doing real shit is great. So my question, Ida, is which boss owes you an apology? (laughs) Say you're sorry. That's what we want to know. Man, I mean, who do I start with? You know, (laughs) I had... um... I had a boss. I mean, I would say the boss that I had, um, not that far, not that the one long ago, not that long ago. Um, but you know what? I work for an organization that had high and he answered to a higher calling. So he wasn't really the person that was responsible for what was happening in terms of my wages, but he did cause a lot of um, mental, um, mental stuff because he came in there every day complaining about Barack Obama. And, um, and it was, you know, I think as a person of color who finally saw some, a reflection of themselves in the white house, something that was, that I could say, oh, there's hope for someone, my son or whatever. It was just Mm -hmm. a constant beat down, but, you know, I worked, um, for so many people under so many horrible circumstances and I never forget because now that I'm in a different situation, I think about the people who, you know, work at the malls. I worked retail, you know, I worked, Oof, yes. I worked at Foot Locker. I worked at the mall. I fried dough. I worked, I made tacos. Like I served, I worked at a lot of places. I was a bank teller and bank tellers are um, people with money can treat you really shitty. Like, you know, like oh, yeah. I've, I've worked and I had so many jobs just to survive. And I will say that minimum wage it, the minimum wage in this country really is a big part of why we stay where we stay in terms of the oppressed. Um, you can't survive. And if you think that making a taco is beneath you or driving you around is beneath you, just think back to 2020 when you were calling those people essential, which people who you look down on for so long. Like I, I've, devel- I, I've developed a new policy that even if a silver mm-hmm. can, is shitty to me, I still give them at least 20% because I don't know if they're having a shitty day because of what's happening to them at work or whatever it is. Like I give everybody the benefit of the doubt. And I just think that, you know, people in this country are so underserved. So if I have to say which boss owes me an apology, I would honestly have to say that they all do. I have (laughs) never had, I've never had a fair I've never worked in an environment that was fair to the people who work there. And um, I'm blessed that I got out, but there are people still working in these retail stores. But even in comedy, you know, there's some shit gatekeepers. You don't can't always name names, but there's like, you know, shit club owners. There's shit like bookers. There's people who uh, 
you know, it's, you know, what? it is, but I feel, I feel privileged to be able to do right. what I love to do, which is why I didn't mention comedy, because if I, comedy unto itself is, is horrible. We don't have a union like actors. Uh, we mm -hmm. are the blue collar workers of the entertainment business. I have my male friends who have less of a following than I do, but because they're white men will send me their quotes and I'll, they will get offered three times more money than me to go work in the same exact place. And I have them, I have the receipts. I mean, I have, I have good friends that'll be like, yeah, what did they offer you? Nah, this is what they offered me. It's, right. it's been horrible. But even in that, I still feel privileged. Like I feel like right. how am I going, who am I to be complaining when a, there's a woman showing up to make lunch for kids at school who's not getting, you know what I mean? Like it's just I know what you mean. I mean it's it is lucky to be to do um, you know, what you do, do what I sometimes get to do, but getting on stage and making people laugh and having a good time, you know, that is really it's really fucking fun. And it is great. And but but it's true, it could be the culture, it could be better. I <sighs> I know. So the person who owes me an apology, I was thinking AJ plus and I love all my AJ plus people. I definitely have had like a million managers and the one, the dude who would come in hungover every single morning. And like one, one time I had like a work thing at my house and he straight up, this is legit. I won't name names. He brought cocaine into my house. This was my boss yeah. brought Coke into my place and started doing it, doing lines in my bedroom without telling me, I was like, what the fuck are you doing? I was so mad. This guy was such a slob and I, and he was my boss for a while. And I had to like, I was like, oh, man, I know you are making like 300 K right now. Like, fuck you. How dare you do Coke in my bedroom? But also then I worked at a restaurant in for like, I was, I'm a terrible server, but I worked at a restaurant and they wouldn't let us taste the wine. Cause I was like, I was like, I want to be able to describe the wine weren't allowed to taste it so we just kind of like swigged it in the back I so I'm mad at them but then also when I was like um oh I'm I'm putting in my two weeks because I'm gonna quit like I can't can no longer do this job in two weeks you can't put in two weeks at a fucking restaurant are you kidding me you get fired immediately yeah. so of course I was like thank you they were like thank you you can pick up your last check and I was like oh I'm such an idiot <laughs> I I needed these next two weeks of work but I was such an idiot to be like, I'm doing you the courtesy of telling you I can't work anymore. And they were like, I'm doing you the courtesy of saying goodbye. Yeah. Like, you were so being, uh, you were operating in integrity. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it was, it was annoying. Cause it was like a, this is like white guy and his like a uh, Oaxacan wife. It was called the Oaxacan kitchen. And they were all like, we're so amazing. And we're like really liberal. And you're like, yeah, you treat us servers like shit. Anyway, that's okay because I'm a bad server. I'm I'm I've I spill cokes on people all the time. I was like I did not know what the fuck I was doing a lot of the time. But anyway, um, there's a couple people. A Risden says I had a bitchy manager at a subway accuse me of stealing once, and she owes me an apology. That's what I. Here's what I say. That's why you steal anyway. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna get accused. That's why you steal anyway. Um, Camperman 5000. I had a motherfucker say I didn't sign my last time card so he couldn't pay me. Told him he was lying and made him go get my paycheck. Good. All the time. And Todd Roy just says, mmm, fried dough, which I need. <laughs> I needed to tell Ida because you're like, I fried dough. And everyone's like, mmm, donut. <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, Ida Rodriguez, everybody, she's the best. She, oh, you know, she's booked and busy and doesn't always have time, but I'm grateful when she does. And um, like I said, always when I listen to Ida, I feel like I just jumped in like a cool stream. Like it's like, ah, oh, refreshing. That's how I feel about you. Oh, you're so sweet. I that is, uh, I don't know. I think uh, there's a, there's a clarity that you have that I, I fucking love and I need to go see you soon. Yes. Um, so everybody check out Ida Rodriguez. Um, where can we get your dates on your, on. So they're, they're on my website, funnyida.com. Okay. They should be updated by the end of the day today, actually. But yeah, I'm coming to, um, I'm going to Humboldt County. I'm doing Arcada, the Arcada. I'm doing a theater in Arcada on September 22nd, but all Ooh. of the students from Cal Poly Humboldt can come for free. So, um, Yes, that's wonderful. Yes, I, I uh, we uh, we worked it out, and we are excited because those students were the ones who asked for me to be there, and it is um, Van Duzer Theater on September twenty second. The show starts at eight o'clock p.m., and uh, if you are a student at Cal Poly, um, please bring your ID because you get in for free. That's amazing. You are gonna sell that out and crush it and then get very high afterwards in Humboldt County. <laughs> um, <laughs> Ida, thank you so much. You, Please Mama. take very good care and you. yeah, I hope to see you soon. You will, you will. Thank you for having me here and um, uh, cheers to everybody who follows you. You have the best people that are on your team. I do, that I do. Those people are here. They're in the chat, they're behind the scenes, they're in all the places. Um, a couple comments, uh, Hufflebadger22, yo, on this is on Twitch. I just dropped in in time. Hello, Fran. Missed you on Monday. Hope you had a great Labor Day weekend. That is in reference to uh, my appearances on the Damage Report every Monday. You could see me there. You can also see me on Wednesdays at for the Twitchuation Room. Um, but of course, the main show is here Tuesdays at one p.m. Pacific. Um, let's see, Mike Boy Raps. This is our this is our comedian in training. Uh, Mike Boy Raps says, guys. I got my first $10 for doing a stand-up show the other day and nothing can stop me. Congratulations, Mike boy. Um, I support you, even though I've never seen you do a joke, but I support you. Um, let's see. Um, Willie Gus on Twitch. Could you look into addressing Newsom's veto of safer consumption sites in CA? People will die because of this decision. Yeah, I think that's him vetoing that is so fucking, such a fucking miss. And I know Nithya Raman, a city councilwoman here, uh, progressive city councilwoman, um, has been trying to hold his feet to the fire on it. And I, I haven't been following it enough. Um, but this is the thing about Democrats, right? This is the thing. They talk a big fucking talk. But then they're so scared. They just live their lives like a shaky little leaf, afraid of being called like what? I don't know, like that you're soft on crime. Do you know how good it would, you know how many people's lives you could save by having safe injection sites? But I get it. You can't, can you not privatize that? You can't make it into like a fancy mall. It, it, you can't like uh, put like a Chuck E. Cheese in there, like whatever. Like I, I understand you're not going to make a lot of money from it. Um, 
Dan, Don M on, on YouTube. Thank you so much for that super chat. That's so generous of you. Finally got to catch a live show. I look forward to your shows, even if only on demand. You're the best. And you guys can always listen as a podcast. Habituation uh, Room, anywhere you get your podcast, give us a five-star review. You got, it, it really helps people discover the show. Um, I do not have uh, much backing other than you all and the patrons. And we're going to do that. Uh, we're going to do that bonus show in just a little bit. Um, let's see. No Sacred Cow says they should have canceled all interest retroactively and had payments go to principal. Um, there we go. Miss Anonymous saying, I bought 10, uh, I borrowed 10,000 and end up owing, ended up owing 16,000. That's fucking crazy. Um, Simple Ways says it does seem like everyone is in debt. Indeed. Um, Catch Dragon on Twitch. All my student debts have been paid. I have no debt currently. Cancel all debts incurred. Acquiring and developing social benefits like education, etc. Yeah, exactly. If you can, if rich people can write off their fucking private planes, then we should be able to write off everything we do. Look, I went outside, okay, and I looked at a bird. That's right. That's at least a thousand off my student debt. Cause that bird, I just made that bird's day. You know what I'm saying? Um, Beatnik, thank you for the super chat. You're very, very sweet. And Jerry Ty, thank you for the super chat. Saying, love Francesca, Ida, and guests. Great show today, as always. Um, you guys are great, as always. And, of course, as always, it's the fart song. All righty. Thank you so much. To the new patrons at $10 or more, Depressed Progressive, welcome to the Frantifa. Sheila Leeming, welcome to the Frantifa. Yilva Leistat, welcome back to the Frantifa. You were here, but where'd you go? Um, also, all the $5 patrons, I see you. I love you. Up your pledge, baby. We don't have any big tippers, but that's okay. TBR-Live on uh, Venmo, TBR-Live on Cash App. Twitch subs, High Anxiety Dragon Girl. They, I'm sorry I missed these last week. Depressed Progressive, also on Twitch. Candice Lynn 112 Hunger Games 1989, Just Czar, Rar Bear Dragon, Z Park Z, and I'm sure a lot of other people on Twitch, and I apologize. I'm going to open that window up because, uh, you know, Mama got pregnancy brain, so I haven't been opening my windows. So, But next time, Twitch, you're my priority. I love you. I love you very much. Um, but not as much as I love Paige Omek, our producer, Maximilian Inhoff, and Alexandra Ornes, and Andy Vasoyan, all who do their part to make this show happen. We stream every Tuesday, 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on YouTube and Twitch. Follow the show on Twitter at BituationPod, TikTok, and Instagram at FrannyFio. Um, and remember, y'all, fight the power, fuck the patriarchy, and don't just bitch about it. Be about it, guys. Make calls. Bye!